Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Probably close to um, preparing as many messages as I have to is uh, John Piercato because he's the kids' church pastor. And uh, today he's not going to be in, uh, in kids' church, but he's just going to share with us. And John is a, a good friend of mine. Um, we were elders together in Durbanville in, uh, when it was still Grace Life Durbanville, when that was uh, 2013, I think. 2013, 2014. So um, we've known each other for a long time. Um, we, we've seen our families grow up together. And yeah, it's a really a privilege to have him and Trudy, his wife, oversee the, the kids' church ministry. Um, but just on the vein of how grace has changed us, I uh, just asked John to prepare something and just share with us sort of what grace has done, what God has done. If we speak of grace, we speak of God. Amen. Um, grace is not separate from God. Grace is who God is. Um, like I just love that song, love is who God is. Um, that, and that's where love comes from. So what we do is when we share grace is we share God's true heart, his true nature. Um, so John's going to kick us off and then I'll be up after that. So thank you, John. Right, good morning. Uh, yeah, so a bit of a different audience for me this morning. Uh, I'm normally one of those uh, competent people that uh, West Paul, that, he, that we refer to, that's uh, normally with the Kids and Kids Church. Um, yeah, awesome picture. Thank you for that. I wasn't expecting that picture. That's awesome for a bit of context in terms of the family. Um, yeah, this morning I was joking with, uh, with Peter. Um, he knows that I, I like to, to be prepared. Uh, for things like this, uh, so uh, he was very gracious, and he asked me yesterday if I would if I would share if I would share this morning. So I said to my wife, you know, if if uh, your pastor, a close friend, uh, asks you, and also in the same message says that uh, you came up in prayer, I mean, how do you argue with that? Uh, so so here we are. But uh, yeah, I really trust that this morning, as I share, um, and as Peter obviously shares as well, that you'll be blessed. Um, that's something that I can share from, from my experience of how grace has changed me, my testimony, uh, that that would be a blessing uh, to you. So yeah, I think just to maybe introduce myself, uh, I think some of you, you know me, but like uh, uh, I said just now, and, and the guys have said normally, I'm, uh, I'm with the kids. Um, so my name is Jean-Pierre. Um, you would have heard Peter refer to me as Jean as well. Uh, another variant is JP. Uh, you're more than welcome to take your pick. It depends on what circle you, you, might, uh, you might get to know me. Um, and uh, yeah, husband to, to a beautiful wife. I don't know about you guys, but I often find that uh, pastors like to use you know, the opportunity when they're up front, when they're introducing their families, you know, to always say, my beautiful wife. So uh, my wife's not here this morning, but uh, I've got lots of witnesses uh, that I introduced her that way. And you can see by the picture that it's true. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm a father to three uh, amazing slash strong world children. Um, I'm in the trenches at the moment, or we are in the trenches at the moment. We've got three kids. You can see our son. Uh, he's, uh, he's eight years old. Um, our middle daughter is five and our youngest is three. So, yeah, we are, we are parenting hard at the moment. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, in my spare time, uh, I work full-time at, uh, at ShopRite, um, uh, currently a, deve- uh, a business development manager and a strategic project manager there. January next year, I'll be there 15 years, which uh, a lot of people tell me is not common nowadays for someone to be at one company for that long. So just a little bit uh, about, uh, about me. Um, 
Yeah, so like I said, and Peter alluded to as well, um, you asked me to share this morning, you know, how grace has, has changed me. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been on the grace train for just over 10 years now. And I was very fortunate to, to grow up, uh, you know, in a Christian home, uh, going to church. I received Christ when I was, uh, you know, uh, or Christ as my Savior when I was 12 years old. I grew up in a, in a Baptist church. Uh, and I'm very thankful for, for that Christian, you know, that Christian upbringing and that foundation that was laid in my life. Um, I think a lot of times when you sort of make the change from what I'm going to get into law to, to grace, and a lot of times you might look back and sort of, obviously we, we do wish we knew grace earlier, but I'm very thankful for, for the upbringing that I, that I did have. So like I said, while I'm thankful, you know, being exposed to the message of, of grace or the, the gospel, the good news, and has made some fundamental changes to what I believe and how I believe. Uh, until about just over a decade ago, I, you know, I experienced my, my Christian walk as very up and down. Maybe you, you, you can relate to that. You know, sometimes it felt like one step forward, two steps back, or three steps forward, two steps back. Um, and now I know why I felt that way, you know, because I was focusing on my efforts, my performance, um, and my misunderstanding of what sin actually means for, for us as believers. Um, you know, it was about what I was doing to get into or stay in God's good books. And I think I, I like that way of explaining it. And often we use that with the kids as well, you know, to say it's not about us and what we do to get into, into God's good books. You know, was I praying? Did I have my quiet time every day? Was I serving in church? Was I living holy and, and righteously enough? You know, and while these things are not bad, uh, living this kind of life as a believer, it's, it's pretty tiring. Um, and also, it's not a great advert, you know, to, to what it actually means to be a Christian. And, and frankly, it's not God, God's best for us, um, as I would come to understand through grace. You know, so what I'm, what I'm essentially getting into here is the difference between what law and grace is. You know, law is my ongoing, never going to be enough effort to get into and stay in God's good books. Verse, grace, uh, which Jesus has already done it. He's paid the price. There's nothing left for me to do except receive the free gift of salvation and realize that I am always in God's good books. You know, another, so I'm just going to drink some water quickly. I think, the, I think the butterflies are now starting to fly in formation. Um, you know, grace, grace changes your perspective. And it changes your filter on how you see God, how you interpret the word, how you see the world, how you see people. And for me, it changes your, your motivation for, for how you live as a believer. You know, law, I do because I have to. It's an obligation. So it's a, there's a focus on you know, how much can I do right. Yeah. Whereas with grace, I do because I want to. Uh, it's from a place of being liberated and confident that God is pleased with me all the time because of Jesus. And I want to be in relationship you know, with Him. And I want to follow His way. And I think there's, there's a fundamental difference there in terms of how we experience the Christian life. You know, am I doing what I'm doing? Am I living 
the way that I'm living in relationship with God because there's things that I have to do or it's things that I actually want to do. And for me, that's the fundamental, one of the fundamental differences between law and grace. Um, I need to draw on a bit of uh, kids' church experience here or you know, use a practical example just to kind of show the difference in that filter that I've been talking about. You know, if we use the example of Adam and Eve, I can remember for a large part of my upbringing, you know, I had this idea that Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. You know, they had done wrong. They had broken the law or the, the one rule. They had messed up and they were being punished. But if you actually go and have a look at what the word says, it was actually God's first act of mercy and grace. And those are small fundamental things that if you know, our falter and if the way we believe is not rooted in the truth, can really sort of mess up how you, again, experience the Christian life. So some scriptures that I felt to share in preparation uh, for today. Um, you know, the first one is that uh, one of those uh, fridge magnet scriptures from John 3.16, but I've got in brackets here and 17. Because, again, growing up, there was a lot of focus on, on John 3.16, which is awesome. But uh, we, we sometimes forget about what follows. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on in verse 17 to say, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And I think uh, one of the, the awesome things about being part of this church, Grace Life in general, you know, is the focus on the word. Grace is found throughout the Word. I don't know how we miss it. I think sometimes we might grow up, uh, you know, taking other people's opinions, just accepting, you know, what the, the pastors say, as awesome as they are. But we also have an, a responsibility to, to go and read the Word ourselves. And I think that's been, uh, you know, really something that, that stood out for me and been a fundamental shift, again, in how I experienced my growth. Just, just going and reading it, it's right there. It's, it's on the page. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how we miss it. <laughs> uh, then the next scripture is 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 21. And here what I want to pull out is just, you know, the fact that we're a new creation. Again, God's not holding our sin against us and we are righteous. So it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Again, it says it in the word. He's not holding our sin against us, but yet sometimes we, we, we miss that, and uh, we still sort of engage with him and, and go, uh, enter a relationship with him where we feel like there's, there's something uh, between us. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So again, new creation, not holding sin against us, and we are righteous. Another one... Uh, that uh, if you've been in grace life long enough, you would definitely have heard. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves. It is a gift, free gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So again, not about our effort, not about what we do uh, to, to stay, in, stay in those good books. Then this is a bit of a longer portion, but I'm, I'm going to read it. Bear with me. Um, it's from NLT, so it's a bit of easier language, so it flows nicely. Uh, Romans 5, 18 to 21, and Romans 6, 1 to 4. So here, grace is not a license to sin. It shows us how good we have it and alters our motivation. And empowering, it empowers us to live holy and righteously. So here we go. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were, the purpose of the law. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ, uh, Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So for me, the revelation of grace has shown me what this new life is. Although my revelation is maybe not perfect, you know, it, it, spilled, it spilled over into all areas of my life. So when Peter asked me to share, uh, you know, he said maybe a, a bit of a guideline is to share how it's impacted in the different phases or stages of my life. And I'm not going to take you through a timeline now, so don't worry. Um, but, but the point that I want to make here is, is that, you know, as a young student, that's sort of where my journey began in terms of my, my grasping of, of grace into dating and marriage, uh, you know, parenting as a business leader, um, kids' church leader. This motivation, perspective, filter, whatever you want to call it, has spilled over into each one of those areas. You know, in terms of dating and marriage, things like dying to self. Um, you know, as a business leader or at work, you know, how I've experienced emotions, uh, uh, promotion just, just flow. Dealing with people. Got a tough situation I need to deal with this coming week, so please pray for me. Um, you know, and how I deal with setbacks and disappointments, which there have been. You know, I think having this understanding and revelation of what grace is, it just spills over into all of those areas. Um, and, uh, yeah, things become a lot more effortless. Before grace, it was, it was like striving for something. You know, if we, if we take the fruit of the Spirit, it kind of felt like, you know, striving for more peace, patience, goodness, whatever, whatever it is for you. You know, it always felt like a, a striving for something. But now I know that because of grace, I live from a place of I already have it all. 
The walk is about me realizing what I have and just letting it out, letting it flow and letting it overflow. And again, there's a fundamental difference there. Am I striving to perform, to get to a point, to achieve more, to get more peace or whatever it is for you? Or is it a revelation of grace? It's finished. It's already done. I have everything that I need. And for me, the Christian walk has now become a journey of actually realizing and unpacking and understanding what it is that I already have and just letting that flow, letting it out. So bringing the, the plane into land in conclusion, uh, you know, as I was thinking yesterday, there was, there was something from uh, an Andrew Womack uh, uh, Grace, Grace book study guide um, that, that came to, to remembrance. And I think it quite beautifully sums up what grace means for me. And it says the following. When you truly get a hold of the grace of God, I guarantee you, so he's giving us a guarantee here, it sets you free from sin, not free to sin. Here's the kicker. You'll wind up living holier accidentally more than you ever have on purpose. You'll serve God out of love stricter and stronger than you ever would have out of legalism. So I think for me that, yeah, like I said, that just beautifully sums up, you know, what we've got, what it means for us, and it's effortless. If we're not experiencing it that way, then, you know, again, reminder, we're still on that journey of realizing what we have and just letting it, letting it flow. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. What I've, um, <clears throat> what I've loved about these, <clears throat> is there no un? No, is un? Yeah. What I've loved about these uh, last few weeks where we've just taken it a, a bit of a different uh, approach, what we call Kairkat, is um, just to see how grace works. I mean, to see how it's not just a theory, um, it's not just a doctrine, it's not just a teaching, it's really something that, that works. And I mean, I know it works because it works for me, um, but it's like when you go and take a lot and the guy who writes the product description can write all the best words in the world. And I don't know about you, but I still go read the reviews. I, wanna, I, I often make my decision based on the reviews. And that's a little bit of what we've done this uh, last two, three weeks is just to, to show you, um, and I mean, I don't have a gun here pointing to John and he must say this or he must say that. <laughs> Like, this is just being real. And then, and I think in church, we need to be real. I once pastored a guy and he said, he, he's going um, to have a church one day and he's going to call it Real People Church. I'm like, isn't this where you're at? <laughs> We're real people um, doing real things for God, I mean, in a real way. And, and, and real people is like, how does grace work in, in the trenches of parenting? Like John said now. Uh, what he didn't share is that their the third daughter was born in COVID. Um, and her name is Grace. So, I mean, it, there's, there's, it, it, it impacts you to such an extent that, like, in the midst of that chaos and everything that ensued, having two kids at home, like, having to go to the hospital, um, like, for a long period of time, and then and, and to call the daughter Grace, because, like, that's just, God is gracious. 
God is good. God is love. Amen. The one thing that the Christian life does not guarantee is a problem-free life. Unfortunately. Amen. We, we, we bear the scars, don't we? <laughs> we know it's true. So I'm not promising you that. Like, I'll, I'll never promise you that. The day we promise you, like, come to Christ and all your problems are going to run away. Like, run away first. <laughs> but what Jesus did say is, in this life you will have trouble. But I have overcome this life. I have overcome this world. So take heart. Like, be strong. Um, be strong and courageous. Not in our efforts, but in His grace. The word says, be strong in the grace. Um, like that for me is amazing. So we need to be strong in grace, um, in our teaching of it, in our understanding of it, but then also our living by it. Uh, it says not in meats, not in food and rituals and different things, but be strong in the grace. Amen? Because that's really where strength is. Strength is in God. Now, one of the verses John referred to, 2 Corinthians five nineteen, says to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Now, we have a bit of a problem with Trinity. I don't know if you realize, but some of us still understand Trinity in the sense that it's three different parts or three beings of one God. And if we read a verse like that that says to know that God was in Christ, we already see like we understand like two parts. And you will never say that God is three beings. I know you're holy and, 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 and you, um, you're a Christian and you're well taught. But in our mindset, even in our communication, we make it difficult for other people to often understand. Um, if you speak to, to, to the Muslim society and you come with God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit, they're thinking you, you're talking about three people or three gods. And they know that there's only one God. So already you're at a disservice or you're, you're at a disadvantage. So the word in there is actually a beautiful word and it's translated in many different English words. You can, you can go check it out in Strong's. But one of the ways that we can actually see that is to know that God was at rest in Christ. God was at rest. So if we think about Christ, I want you to think about God at rest. Think about it. God, if we see Christ, we're not talking about anyone else than God. We're talking about God. But we're talking about God in the state where He is at rest. Because now the final plan of God has come to fulfillment. And now because the final plan of God has come to fulfillment, God is now at rest. And now we look to a verse like Colossians 1.27 that says, Christ, God at rest in you, is now the hope of glory. And the word at rest there means that he's not looking for the next venue. <laughs> Amen? He's not looking for the next place where he's going to have the tent. When we see Moses in the Old Testament, like the cloud moves and they have to pack up tent. They have to, to put down and pack up and load the camels and the donkeys. And they need to move with the cloud until the cloud stops and then they need to tent again. Now, God is not in that anymore. Amen? God is now in the believer. God, Christ, in us is now the hope of glory. God's not looking for a next destination. Amen? There's a... There was movies that uh, I never watched, but that's called Final Destination. Some of you laugh because you've watched it. <laughs> we'll pray for you with deliverance afterwards. It was about weird ways of dying, if I remember correctly, but... God has found His final destination. Amen? It's the believer. And the once we start to see that, so means that grace has changed us. Grace is how God is. Grace is how God always was. Grace is how God always, not wanted to be, but wanted to relate. But the men that was with Moses, they said, we don't want this. We don't want to be at rest. 
We want to work for it. We want to earn it. We want to offer. We want to sacrifice. We want to pay our way. Amen? Anyone with us? The, the way of man. Solidarität. You know the slogan. On soul self. So Engels account, what Muffet say. I always say, like, uh, remember, we didn't sing an Afrikaans song, we sang a Dutch song. No, I'm joking. It is in our nature to, I'll do it, I'll show, I'll make God proud of me, I'll show God, I'll perform, I'll pitch up. And you know what? Somewhere you do it and somewhere you run out. Somewhere you dry and, and, and you burn, we call it burnout. And we often call it rebellion. Because we can only keep up a facade for so long. We can only keep up appearances for so long and then we had enough. Then this inner man of us says no more. And either you give up completely or you double down. <laughs> and none of that really works because at the end there's no life in it. There's no rest in it. If we see Christ as God at rest and now we see Christ in us, the hope of glory means that when God finds his resting place, which is you... There is a hope of glory. A hope of the manifestation of glory. There's a hope for, for the world. Amen? The world is pretty messed up. Amen? So what does performance... I mean, performance Christianity, performance-based Christianity, what I do, do good, get good, do bad, get beaten, like, that's not much different from any other religion. Including people who just worship the moon and has done so before they had Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And they don't know of any better. Inherently, people want to, to do that. Now, when I say what changed me and how grace has changed me, one of the things is definitely from fearful to faith. And, and maybe you can relate. I'm going to do like four points just on, on how grace has changed me. From fearful to full of faith. And, 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 and that looks different. But Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one is pursuing them. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. So I'm not, I'm not bold as Peter, but the righteousness of God on the inside of me has made me bold. You know, because I know what God says of me. I know my dad's bigger than your dad, unless you've got the same dad than I do. Amen? <laughs> and he's in my corner. Amen? And I'm righteous because he loves me. So it has moved me from always wondering what people think of me to living from what God thinks of me. It has changed me from trying to manipulate the conversation away from my bad spots. You know, like you can manipulate a group, you can manipulate a conversation to steer it away from the things that you're not proud of or the things that you don't want um, the conversation to be about. And I used to be very good at that. And I was so good that some of you didn't realize. No, it was before I met you guys. <laughs> it was before I found grace. But then God said to me one day, Isaiah 61.1, He says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. For the Lord has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. I read that verse. I didn't understand the Bible. And I thought the Holy Spirit was speaking directly to me. Amen. I was like so charged up. Later on, we know, if you do, this is about Jesus. Amen. But you know what? It's about me. Because he said the same works I did, you will do. So you know what I did the first time that I preached in Stellenbosch, which was the big church. John and I, was, we were elders in the small church, um, which had its own challenges in a big way. Um, I learned a lot of lessons there. So we were, we were pastoring and, 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 and leading the, the small church in Durbanville. And Shane asked me one night to preach in Stellenbosch. I mean, and that was like 70 to 100 people. 
was big service compared to the 20 to 30 people we, we used to have on a Sunday. And, um, and, and I was really excitedly nervous, or more nervously excited. <laughs> to put it into context, my wife Natasha, made a, um, she took me for, for dinner afterwards. I think I shared this recently, but she took me for dinner at the um, Cape Town Fish Market, where the Varenmarkt is now. And uh, I couldn't eat. Like, you know, when you have that pressure and then there's a release, then you feel terrible. <laughs> that was me. Um, where I was like so, like, so tense. But you know what I did before I, I took the mic? I read Isaiah 61. The Spirit of God is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel, the good news, the great tidings to the poor, to the broken, to the, um, to the ones captive. Amen? And you need to, 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 sometimes we need to stir ourselves up like that. Amen? Just to get the message out. That's the most important thing. Now, I mean, at one stage after that, we were preaching three, three services a week, um, doing growth track and, and whatever in between. I can preach at the drop of a hat now and preach every week at least once and lead Bible studies. It just shows you there's growth. I mean, because grace brings capacity. Grace brings capacity. I don't know how you get a legalistic message every week. It must be very hard work. The problem is, if you preach a legalistic message, the audience, the receiver, can always relate to it. Because there's always something that, that we did wrong in the week, isn't there? I remember falling from grace. I've fallen from grace. I was 100% Joseph Prince, grace, rebel in grace. And I went to a legalistic church, and slowly, week after week, it was just chipping away, chipping away, feeling bad, self-reflection, self-condemnation, self-pity. <gasps> this message is for me. God knows. This pastor is hearing from God. Why? Because all the wrong things I did this week. And before you know it, you're doing more wrong. Because now your focus is sin, not righteousness. Who's as bold as a liar? Not the sinner. Amen? The righteous. What do we need in the kingdom? Boldly proclaim the word. Boldly move forward. Boldly um, proclaim the, the things of God. So it moved me from being a people pleaser to now living from what God thinks of me. Like John said, sometimes in leadership you need to have difficult conversations. Um, so it's not about what people think. It's about what God thinks. Like constantly in, in, in maturing in this walk, we need to grow in that. It has moved me from being a loner in definitely in grade one, I'll tell you the story now, to being a people person. So uh, we moved house. My parents were, were gracious in that they said they want us to um, sort of be in one school as far as we can. So they moved house for me to move into grade one, which meant that my grade R and everything before that was in another area. So when I went to grade one, I knew no one. I went to the big school. And my mom says, I can't recall this, but she reminds me. I came home one day excited in grade one. And she said, and she was worried by then because it was a few months in. I didn't have any friends. And she said, like, it gave me the mighty gebracht. And I said, no. Nee. <laughs> like, I went from the stoop of my class around the rugby field. That was how loner I was. Amen. Um, that year, I also almost died. I was in uh, September. It's also a bit of an anniversary then for me soon. Uh, September of that year, um, I had misdiagnosed lung um, pneumonia. No one said And my left lung collapsed. And it had an abscess. And I went into operation as a seven-year-old. And I told my parents, 50% that he wakes up, 50% he doesn't. 
I remember that very clearly. It was a Wednesday and they wanted to operate the Wednesday night. I said, just give me one more night. <laughs> just operate the next morning. It turned out that um, the anesthesiologist or someone couldn't be there, so it was the next morning. You know what my parents did while I was in the, in the operating theater? They went to the Woolies across the road from the hospital and they bought pajamas. That's an act of faith. That's trust. That's, that's putting work to, to their faith. I mean, and what the enemy tried there, he, uh, he didn't to do because now we're proclaiming the gospel, amen? amen? 29 years later, we're going strong. Don't do the math. No. So, <laughs> John 10 verse 2 says, but the one who enters through the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and comes to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The point I'm making is if we want to be effective in the kingdom, we need to be people persons. Or, or people people, I mean. We need to be amongst the people. We need to know the sheep. We need to lead them out. We be, need to be among them. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. If you want to be effective in the kingdom, you need to be amongst people. You need to be leading strong. We've learned that, amen. We are still learning that. But there is value in leadership. There is value in having vision and bringing that vision across. You might be wondering, what are you guys doing with this venue? Don't worry. We've got a plan. We've got vision. We're leading you there. And well done for sticking with us and coming with us. And I mean, by now, some of you know us for a few years. So you know we're not just going to up and go. You know that we hopefully trying to hear from God. But we want to be known of each other. We need to be people, people. I mean, we need to be amongst the flock. What grace has done for me, it's moved me from sinner to saint. It's changed me from sinner to saint. Colossians 3 verse 3 says, For you died to this life and your real life. I love that. So there's an old life and there's a real life. The new life then is the real life. The new life is the true life. What does the New King James say? For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. New Living says, You died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ. Again, in God. Christ is who God is. Christ is God at rest. So our true life is found when we find God at rest. Where do we find God at rest? In us. Amen? And when Christ, who is your life... How many people do we know that do not know Christ? I mean, many. How many sandwiches did we make on Friday? A fortunate full of them. There's probably more people than you can count. Are they truly alive? If Christ is life and they don't have Christ, they're not truly alive. So they're zombies. They're the walking dead. Yet then we come to people like that and they, 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 they don't have the fruit of the Spirit. They don't have love towards us. They don't love their neighbor. They don't love their enemies. They don't love anyone and they don't love us. And then we say, yeah, but I'm not going to love them. They don't love me. Didn't Jesus say, um, I love your enemies? He says, and, and Jesus said, what else? He said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest miracles of Jesus' earthly walk. Hanging on a cross, in excruciating pain, like we cannot even begin to imagine. And the very two things he's concerned about is his mom and the sinners who's killing him. Three things, the people on the cross is next to him. That's amazing. It's like it's... And we think it's not achievable, but in grace it is, because we see Stephen 
And is it Acts 8, Acts 7? Where he's being stoned, and what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, grace has changed him where he's laying down his life, and now he's living not as a sinner, but as a saint. A lot of people receive sainthood for dying a martyr's death. But the word clearly says that we only get sainthood when we receive Christ. And now we can live a martyr's death, or live a martyr's death. That's a, I like that. I'm going to coin that. <laughs> because you can't die. So you can live a martyr's death. means you just fall asleep and you wake up in your true reality. Because as a Christian, you can't die. That's a mindset we need to start having. Amen? If we want to change the world, if we want to rock the boat a little bit. I said four things. There's a few more, but we'll close soon. What grace has done for me, it's moved me from slave to son. From slave to son. Romans 8.29 says, For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His son, so that His son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Many like Him. Amen? And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him, and having called them, He gave them the right standing with Himself. And giving them right standing, He gave them His glory like john said it's it's just it's on the page <laughs> it's not me making things up here like if you read these words it's amazing truths listen to this he has called you and gave you right standing with himself how holy is god not right falling over with him right standing with him in the old testament we see people falling over and then always the angels is like what are you doing get up because the plan was always to have right standing with God. Now, I'm not saying we're not in worship, we're not in awe. Like John said, we're more in love with God under grace than we ever were under law. Because under law, you're more in love with yourself. Self-preservation. Amen? Self-performance. What other people's opinions are of you. You make it sound very holy. It's like moving that conversation, like manipulating the situation. Law does that. Grace says, listen, here I am. Lord, here's all my problems, my faults, my mistakes, my past, my hurts, my shame. Here I am. And God says, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> so, right standing, not just by ourselves, but in His glory. And it's made me and moved me and changed me from being defeated to having won. Past tense. From being defeated to having won. Colossians 1.13 says, For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Wow. I love the verses John shared as well. It's just like such a reminder. It's just a washing over of the basics of our Christianity. The basics of what we believe. The basics of grace, which is not basic at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's supernatural, the message of this gospel. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Wow. You wake up in the morning with the thought and the intent and the identity that I'm purchased, I'm paid for, I'm free, and my sins are forgiven. I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I walk with the one who reigns in the kingdom of light. Colossians 1.26 then says, This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. What is for the Gentiles too? The glory, the riches of this mystery. There is a riches 
There is glory. It's not just a message. It's not just forgiveness. There's glory. You're looking for the glory of God? Stop looking for a cloud. Amen? Find grace. The glory, this message of grace is where the message of glory comes from. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ is not speaking about money. It's not speaking about money. That's why we can give money. We can give lots of money. Because we have more. We have the fullness of God. Amen. We have the purpose of Jesus. We are a son next to Jesus at the right hand of our Father. Only me get excited about these things. Eh? And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. God at rest now lives in you. Amen. And this is the secret. This is the mystery. Now it's no longer a secret. You know if you organize an event for someone. And there's always that one person on the wrong WhatsApp group that speaks about the event where that person is on. That anyone experience that? You think you're posting it on this group where that person isn't and you post it family group and then everyone is in quads from a That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers. <laughs> so the secret is out. That's the beauty. We're not studying the word to find out what the secret was. The secret is no longer secret. The mystery is no longer mysterious. It's no longer hidden. Christ in you is the hope of glory. There's no other hope. There's no other glory. There's no other message. There's no other um, age. It's the church age. It's us. It's us. It's God in us. There's nothing else. God's not going to have another plan. God's not going to send His Son again. His Son is in us. He said, go into all the world and change the world. Amen? But you have to be changed first. Take heed to yourself, Acts 20, 28. And then to the flock. Are you leading yourself well? Are you enjoying grace well? Are you drawing from the well, Isaiah 12, of salvation that is on the inside of you before you try and tell other people about this great God? We can tell the message and the message works. But if we tell the message and it's wrapped in love, it's wrapped in grace, it's wrapped in the glory of God, it's wrapped in the love of the Father, it's wrapped in testimonies of His goodness and Him coming through and us persevering, even though um, there's things against us, then it just carries more weight. It carries more weight, like we had with Christu and Arman last week and John this morning and other people sharing. It's not just... It's not, not, it's not my idea. <laughs> it's not Shane's idea. Shane was changed by the message. That's why the church <laughs> happened. Amen. I was changed by the message. That's why I am where I am. That's why we're leading. Because we want more people to see and experience this change. So we tell others. You see, the message is out. The Christ, the secret is out. So we tell others. Verse 28. God knows that the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Him we preach. The message is out. Now we have a message. What do we preach? Him. <laughs> the gospel. Grace. We tell others about Christ. Warning everyone. Teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. Not perfect in their performance. Isn't that good? I mean, we can change your behavior. Easy. I can manipulate the giving message. I can tell you God's going to strike you down. and you'll, Some of you will believe me and you'll stop sinning for a week. Maybe two. We can have accountability partners. And a shame-driven culture will help us not to sin. Or we will just lie when we're supposed to be accountable. Those things don't work. Trust me, I've tried them. 
What works is the message of grace. What, what works is, hey, son, I love you. But dad, I did this wrong. Son, did you hear what I said? I love you. You are the beloved. You are one with the beloved. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's why I work and struggle so hard. Colossians 1.29. One of the testimonies we had recently about even this uh, meeting in this venue. Someone said, like, you guys really take preaching the word serious. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's evident because we work so hard just to pick something together where we can preach the message. So we can record it. We can shame it out. We, you can hear it. You can take it places. Because it works. Because it's the only thing that works. There's nothing else. That's the beauty. We don't go from grace. We just grow in grace. Once you've found grace, then the growing starts. Be rooted and grounded in the love of the Father. In grace. So you don't need to be moved about by diverse doctrines. That's not growth. Growth is not knowing what the Mormons say and knowing what the, the Islams believe. And, no, growth is knowing Christ. Paul says, I, I, I fear for you that you are moved away and beguiled away from the simplicity of Christ. But when we find the simplicity of Christ, some of you have been with us on this journey. <laughs> it goes deep. It goes very deep. It's going deeper than we ever realized. It's taking up more and more of the things that's not important. It's giving more and more life. We're drawing deeper of this well of salvation that is on the inside of us. And we're revealing the mystery to more people. We're building capacity, not us, but Christ in us. Paul says, that's why I work and struggle so hard. Not for a paycheck, because he didn't take one. Because the message works. Because it's worked in him. Because that's the only option. Depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. To this end, I also labor. Striving according to his working, which is at work in me mightily. Maybe you're not there yet. The word says he will change what you do, but he will also, if you let him, change what you want to do. The will intervert is the Afrikaans. Like, so if you want to sin, God will help you change your want to. Andrew Womack said he does all the adultery that he wants to. He commits all the adultery because he doesn't want to commit any adultery. So, zero, don't worry, like, if you miss that. You can sin all you want to because if God gets hold of you, if His love is, 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 is what you are aware of, what you grow in, you're not going to want to do any sin. And even if you do make a mistake, you just say sorry. The other day, um, one of my sons was doing something stupid and I was like, I love you. Like, it doesn't change. Like, and I felt God say, but that's grace. So when God introduces Himself as Father, what is He doing? He's introducing grace. He's saying the place where you belong, where you are taken care of, where you are safe, where you find identity, where you are a son, no matter what you do. Amen. Father and son is about birth, yes. not performance. Amen. Luke 15. The son was born a son. He said, I don't want to be a son anymore. No, he didn't say that. He said, Dad, I want you dead. I want you, but I want what you've got more. So I don't want you actually. I want what you've got, the money. And then he messes it up. He comes back and he says, I'm going to be a servant. And the dad says, but it doesn't work like that. Your DNA speaks louder than your actions. Isn't that true? Your birthright. It's not inheritance. 
you, you scandal that. It's the name. It's the identity. You're not a slave. You cannot be a slave in this house because you've always been a son. It's not about your performance. And do you think after that, like we don't, if you're ministry school, don't tell Shane, but <laughs> we can't make more of a parable than what's in the parable. <coughs> I'm saying don't tell Shane because we had a whole session on parables. You can tell Shane, I'll tell him as well. I'm making a joke. If you were to come back after you messed up like the prodigal son did, and the Father accepts you in full grace and acceptance and love, will you go and mess up again? You won't. You'll make a few mistakes. But the love that you've experienced, the love that you now have towards the Father for the way that He's accepted you with your worst mistakes that you can possibly make, and the fact that you even blasphemed Him and wanted Him dead, like there's going to be a love in you that's like, I'm so alive. Who loves much? They who've been forgiven much. And that's true for all of us. There's no great sinner, klein sinner, great Christian, klein Christian. There's either a sinner or a son. Son and son go together. And you need to decide this morning, where are you? Because you're not a sinner that cleans up your act every now and then. If you were a sinner and you got saved, you know, a son and a son. And what a son means is you carry the, the father's purposes into the son. You carry his name. When I went out and, and say high school parties, my dad never told me what time to come home or what not to do or what to do. He looked at me and he said, All he said, that was more than enough. You carry a name. You have a place where you belong. You can phone me anytime. That's what he said. And I did a few times. He said, Dad, he dropped me off and the alcohol was everywhere. I was 16 years old. He said, phone me when you need to. An hour later, I was on my way home. Because I had a daddy cared. He didn't say, no, I'm not going to. I made my mistakes. God found me, loved me, cleaned me up. Big time. You don't come to God clean. You come to God and He cleans you up. Amen. 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 Let's stand. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that we can work hard with what we've got on the inside of us. Thank you that you love us. And thank you that, as John has shared with us this morning, that this impacts every area of our lives. Father, thank you that this is not just for the person who's called... Or, or carries the, the, the responsibility of pastor. But this is for everyone, Father. This is for the believer, Father. To be changed by grace. To be changed by grace. And it's not on God, it's on you. How much are you allowing? How much are you taking in? How much are you letting Him wash you by the waters of the Word? Now, once you've drawn from, tasted, seen, you cannot help but share with others. God is really that good. God is really that good. Let's just, for a moment, just give Him thanks. This is not about grace life. This is not about Peter or anyone. This is between you and God. And just thank God for something. I mean, for being saved, if you're saved. <laughs> That's amazing to be saved. I often just meditate on that. Like, I, I once was a sinner, but now I'm saved. I mean, like the, the famous hymn. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, 
but now I'm found. That's true for everyone who's a born-again believer. We were lost out at sea in the dark, in the kingdom of sin. But now we've been translated into the kingdom of light. One with the Son. One with God. God at rest in us. Father, we just thank you right now for your goodness. Thank you for love. Thank you for accepting us. Thank you for, for making a plan. And like John 3.17 said, like, that you didn't send Jesus to condemn us, but to love us, to save us. I know there's issues. I know there's challenges. I know it's a busy time of the year. But for a moment, just think of the fact that you have an eternal surety. An eternal security. An eternal state of being one with God. One with the Spirit. We can really find, we can find rest in that. I think the song we sang last week is that He's risen over death. Like, <laughs> how big your issues are. Christ beat death. And sin. And the enemy. So whatever we face, He's beaten bigger enemies. And He's done it for us. If you're not saved, then like... But the things I'm saying should hopefully provoke in you something that you feel like I'm missing out on. Or if you're not 100% sure, then you want to have the surety that when someone says, are you saved? Yes, I'm saved. How do you know? Because I believe that Jesus came to earth, that He died, that He's risen, that He beaten sin, beaten the devil, He's ascended, and He poured out His Spirit so that everyone who believes, not do's, but believes, can have eternal life through Him. What He did, not what I do. If you believe that, you're saved. <laughs> there's no work there's no payment we're not going to give you an invoice it's for free otherwise how can it be a gift but now we can live from that place we can live in our true identity which is to be about our father's business so father we just thank you right now that you show each and every one of us how we can walk out grace more how we can let out grace more abundantly that as we go, you go with us. You go in us. You never leave us, nor forsake us. You make all things work together for the good of those who love you and call according to your purpose. You are love. You are good. There's no turning shadow with you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.